Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have back with us Mr. Dane Lee of Elite Recovery Sports Massage, and he's what I would call a recovery specialist. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means is that he does all things recovery. Uh, He's not technically a physical therapist. Uh, He's not technically a massage therapist, although he does those things, and he's obviously certified to do those things, except for I don't think he's an actual licensed physical therapist, but nonetheless... He still does those kind of things. And for those of you who have not heard him on the show before, he's got a pretty interesting background. So you can go back and listen to some past episodes and kind of get a a feeling for who Dane is and what Dane does. He's a very smart guy. I really love our conversations. And today, we didn't really have a topic. And normally when Dane comes on, we try to talk about some recovery stuff or maybe things he's researching or what's going on, what he's doing with school and all that kind of good stuff. But... This time it was just like, you know what, just come over, let's bullshit, let's have a good time, let's see what we get into. And and we talked about lots of different things and eventually we got on like religion and spirituality and you know, like all those kind of crazy things towards the end. It was, it was lots of fun, so definitely hang in towards the end because uh, the conversation got a little bit funky towards the end, which I always enjoy and hopefully you guys do as well. But I'm going to stop rambling, let's get right into the episode. Please sit back. Strap in and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have back with us my good friend, Mr. Dane Lee. Dane, how you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. And Dane is the owner slash magical magician worker at uh, <laughs> Elite Recovery Sports Massage. Um, Dane's been on a few times before. If you guys have not listened to those episodes, I would, uh, especially the first one. Um, I can't think of when that was. Let me see if I can look really quickly here. It's been a while now. It's been a long while. Uh, number seven, you were 007. Boom. And uh, that was quite a while ago, obviously. And that was kind of Dane's backstory i guess is the best way to put that the origin yeah. story if you will <laughs> kind of leading up to where yeah started and yeah. it was supposed to be about recovery and we talked for i think almost three hours about you just because i was yeah. fascinated and we got into a great conversation <laughs> and it, I, it was it was quite interesting so if you want to learn more about dane go back start there and there's obviously probably what three other episodes i think mm-hmm. you've been on since then something like that nonetheless so we're having dane back on and I guess the big news is that you've now started your own podcast. I have, yeah. Uh, I started one with Justin Oliver called Prepare to Win, and we are on episode 30, Okay, give or take. And where can people find that? Uh, that's on iTunes and Spotify, SoundCloud, which is really surprising because I knew of SoundCloud prior to this. I'd put some, uh, not music, but uh, recordings that we had done 
with like YouTube videos up on that. And there wasn't really any traffic happening. And now when you go on it, you look at some of the metrics as far as what people are listening to. There's a lot more people on SoundCloud using that for podcasting than I would have expected. Yeah, I uh, I opened because originally when I put my podcast up, I was on iTunes and Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big, obviously, one for Apple. And then uh, Stitcher is like the biggest like Android downloadable mm-hmm. podcast listening uh, software and or app or whatever you want to call it um, device. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So after uh, being on for a while, I was like, you know what? I need to get this out to more places. So like I went on the Googles and said, okay, where are the big you know places to put on? Like they're, the, they're Apple, Google, and all this kind of stuff. So okay. So I put it out there. One that I never would have thought of was Spotify. Mm-hmm. So I, I ended up I put it up on Spotify, and it's like there's been a decent amount of traffic on Spotify. And it's like I would think music when I go to Spotify, yeah. but apparently like podcasts are becoming more and more popular. Obviously, with them acquiring Joe Rogan as being exclusive on Spotify, oh, that was huge. As of what the first of this year, mm-hmm. I mean that that was massive. I mean he's the biggest podcast in the world. Yeah. So it's like I guess now it's it's becoming more ubiquitous. You can do it. Yeah. You. I don't know. That thing, yeah, <laughs> uh, about you know using other places where I would think of music, yeah, where, but they're putting podcasts on there now. So mm-hmm. I definitely like just look into some of those kind of things and just put it on. There. It's pretty simple to put your oh yeah your RSS link once you got it hosted. So watching Justin and I try and figure it out at first because we were just technologically stupid about some of that stuff. It was funny, but now that you kind of have a feel for it, yeah, it's really simple. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little overwhelming at first because yeah. there's so much to think about. Because <laughs> you and I obviously have had a bunch of conversations in the last few months as you've yeah. gotten your podcast up and running, and we talked about equipment and microphones and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and it's it's been kind of fun <laughs> because I went down that rabbit hole a couple of years ago when yeah. I started this podcast, and I, I went way into the weeds, and I I went uh, I was. <sighs> I was of the mentality of what I am with a lot of things in life, honestly. It's the whole buy once, cry once. You know, like you don't need the best of the best, but you got to have good stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's like I went out and I bought way more equipment than I actually needed to run the podcast. But I've been so blessed ever since because everyone says like the audio quality is amazing and this and Mm -hmm. that. And we all know that if the audio quality isn't good, no one's going to listen. It doesn't matter if it's amazing content. You could have bullshit content like I have all the time because <laughs> when I open my mouth, bullshit comes out. But if you have good sounding audio, people will actually listen. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things. And like I'm incredibly grateful for it because I got very lucky that you went down that rabbit hole. And then you were a client of mine and came in every single two weeks to get worked on, which meant I got to pick your brain for like an hour every two weeks. I was like, all right, here's where you are now. What do I do? And you're like, okay, here's probably what you want to take a look at as far as microphones. Do this. There were so many things I thought I was doing right in the beginning where you're like, yeah, you really don't want a condenser mic when you're doing these things. That's probably why this is sounding the way it is. And look at these stands. Look at this type of uh, dynamic mic. Here's some pricing. Every two weeks, just pick your brain on things. <laughs> and it's like I moved forward so much faster without making a lot of the same mistakes. a lot of the same mistakes i mean don't get me wrong there were a lot of mistakes of course that's how you learn but um and then the one time i remember talking to you about how we had our first video guest uh, that had called in we use a google meet to do a video with yeah which is way more sophisticated than i get into because like for me it's like if we're not sitting down in person i'm just not interested and it was 
terrible audio quality when I went back and listened to it. I spent like three hours going through fixing things and um, it was way more time than what I would normally spend. But it was one of the things you said, like what you said right now is like if the audio quality is terrible, no one wants to listen to it. And it was a really good interview having like Justin and I sitting there talking with uh, it was Jordan Jarrell and Justin and Jordan are going to be hosting their own meets coming up. So not only was there important information that people needed to hear about for the RPS meets that they were going to be. And those are powerlifting meets. Powerlifting meets. But it was also really interesting to hear about Jordan's like personal life and business life and how that integrated with the training and how that evolved going through. I thought like people really need to hear this. And when you listen to the audio afterwards, like no one can understand it because it's, it's all over the place. So it was a lot of editing going through there and, that was one mistake. Like, I need to figure out how to make this better and easier in the future because this is a ton of time I'm <laughs> yeah, spending on it. Exactly. That's, that's one of the big reasons why I don't really edit the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have to do editing because mm-hmm. I need to uh, put on an intro and an outro and you know, like cut in the music and do all that kind of stuff. And that still takes time. But mm-hmm. it's not like going through and cutting up little segments and snippets and doing that or like, like what, you, what you were trying to do is like raise the audio in certain levels yep. and lower it in others and like I'm not interested in that. That's way too much work for me. Like when, when we sit down and record these, like we just record them and whatever mm-hmm. we get into, we get into. Yeah. And then again, later I'll go in and put in like an intro and an outro and do those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But the actual meat of the episode, the actual podcast itself, like I'm not touching that. Like I just throw yep. it in there, slap it in, line it up and like, boom, here we go. Yep. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Yeah, they. Uh, I do very little editing as far as like the content that's in there. Yes. Um, we've had a couple of times where, especially since we've done uh, the video, uh, like Google Meet video uh, recordings, where like it'll cut out for a couple of minutes and like I'll go in there and I'll cut that part out so there's not that dead space. And that makes sense. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of that, it's just a lot of audio levels and fixing that and telling myself that i need to learn from mistakes so I don't do it again. <laughs> it'll get better as you go i yeah. promise and plus you'll find little shortcuts with uh the editing softwares of how to make that a little bit easier on yourself Knock on as wood, well i hope <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'll happen because eventually it's like how do i do this and just go on to the google and yeah let, let the google machine tell you what to do oh there's so much info out <laughs> there's there. there's so many tutorials out there i got i got so overwhelmed when i first started I'm like mm-hmm. oh my gosh i just got to get this stuff and start figuring out i remember uh actually having mike walker on the very first episode and i had I played with my equipment, obviously, trying to figure out how to make it all work and doing some practice runs, like, just with friends or, like, honestly, I, I, I bribed my my parents and my grandma to come over because I was trying to get my grandma warmed up to the idea of doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. She's still very hesitant of making something so official and putting it out there and all these kind of things. I'm still hoping to get her on the show. But uh, I was trying to con them, like, oh, I need to test my mics. <laughs> so I just got my... Because I only had two uh, mics at the time, so mm-hmm. I had to get two more to have people to have four is what my mixer is uh, capable of, which mm-hmm. I found is about as many people as I think I really want to have on a podcast because okay. it's 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 like like I explain to new people when they come on, it's like a dance. Yes. Like you're, you're kind of bouncing off of each other and, and going back and forth, but I think having four people on is – it's a little bit chaotic, but once you all kind of understand what you're doing, it, it kind of flows pretty well. But I think more than that would be just – just too much. Yeah. So I, I think I, I kind of picked it right off the bat. So I got kind of lucky there. But like I actually I had them come over. We were so we were doing tests and I was doing these things. So I I've been playing with it for a few months before I actually recorded my first podcast. But I was I was struggling with how to get the the sound to come back in through the headphones. 
Mm-hmm. So I was like looking online how to do that. And I set it up through my mixer and doing all those kind of things. And then Mike and I recorded the first episode and there was like a second delay. Ooh. So like you would talk, but then you would hear like what you just said, like a second later. Yeah. So we ended up like taking one of like the headphones off. So like, like one ears out, like one ears in and mm-hmm. so we could kind of hear each other talk and it was so awkward and it was weird. <laughs> and then I did some more reading on the Googles and I found out, oh. What I did was send it through my mixer to my recording software, which is on my laptop. Mm-hmm. And then that went through the laptop back into the mixer to back into the headphones, where I found a setting on my mixer where I can just listen to what I'm sending yeah. to the recording. So then it's right there. It sounds normal. It's, mm-hmm. it's no big deal. It sounds like I'm actually talking. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, shit. So we had to call Mike back over. <laughs> like, All right, let's redo this. And we tried to redo the podcast, which was a shit show. We should have just done another one and just acted like the first one never happened yeah and it was great though like we had we had a great conversation mm-hmm. you know and maybe someday I'll, I'll release it as like a special episode or whatever who knows it was it was kind of a shit show because like you're trying to think and see what you're saying and then you're hearing yourself a second it was it was awkward yeah <laughs> you know, I can so imagine. we've all had that and then obviously there <laughs> i forget which episode it was there was one where my microphone got screwed up and instead of taking the microphones from my mixer, which is what we're using like mm-hmm. for the actual mics, it was using the microphone on my laptop oh, as no. the recording thing. So you could kind <laughs> of hear me because I'm sitting next to it. But the other two guests, I think it was Andrew and Jake, is like, you couldn't hear sh- anything they were saying. It was yeah. just, it was a total shit show. I still put it back out there because we decided not to re-record it because again we wouldn't be able to recreate the magic. Yeah. So it was like, well, it is what it is. I put the big warning out there in the intro, like, hey. I done screwed this one up. So if you don't want to listen, <laughs> I understand. And and Andrew is the type of uh, person who loves to like listen to his own podcast. I think he listens to most of the other ones, unless he gets bored, then he just turns it off. But he loves to listen to the one that he's on because mm-hmm. as as we all do, it's like I want to hear what I was saying. I want to think about what I could say better. Like because yeah. you're, you're kind of using it to learn, and it's like okay, how do I make this better in the future? Right? Mm-hmm. How do I learn from my mistakes? How do I stop saying um? Like 47,000 times, you know, like yep. we all did when we first started. It's just how it works. Those huge pauses but, that but, you take. But yeah. even Andrew was like, I couldn't get through like 10 minutes of it. It was so bad. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I didn't want to put it out, but I was like, oh, well, I screwed it up. It is what it is. I, I owned it. Like, here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, we've all had that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> how are you liking doing the podcast itself, though? Like, just sitting down and like recording the podcast. How do you enjoy that? I love it. I love it. I mean, I know that we've talked, like I was saying, like when you come in to, to get worked on and we end up talking about it, it's fun to think about the evolution of it because it is not going the way that I thought it would. But in a This ver- one hasn't either. I, I thought it would be this totally different thing yeah. of what I thought it would be. And now it's more of just like I have the same reoccurring guests on, but we just have great conversations mm-hmm. and I enjoy it so much. Whereas I thought I'd be talking to different people all the time and bringing in new people and all these kind of things. And whereas I'm, yeah, I'm definitely open to that. Mm-hmm. It's more like, hey, we haven't done a podcast. Well, you we should come over. Let's do one because yeah. it's fun. So like mine has gone in a completely different way than I thought it was going to when I first started it. But would you say that yours has evolved in a really organic way that you have enjoyed watching? Because that's what I feel has happened with ours. Is like, and granted, I mean, how many episodes are you in? Uh, like sixty-five. So I'm not even halfway to what you're at well, right yeah, now. Well, yeah, but you're going to catch me really quickly because I've been doing this since 2018. 
How often do you put out? It's like every couple I of weeks? I try to do it like twice a month. Like okay. every other weekend is when I try to record something. And we're doing one. I think we, yeah, we record every Tuesday and put it out Wednesday afterward. But it is so fun like to watch that process happen in reverse. Like when I go back and I look at the early episodes, not just because we got better with audio or because we got better equipment, you know, thanks to the conversations with you, but the dynamic between Justin and myself and for, is like, like you said, it's a dance. Yeah. And we're figuring yeah, out. You're going to get better just like. because you're used to doing it with each other. Right. And I spent years and years listening to other podcasts and going, oh, that's what it'll be like where you have, even if there's, you know, two hosts, you know, they have this very good back and forth and this person adds something and the other person adds something and if they have a guest, there's this even trade and it's not, it's not an even trade. No. Um, and if like, I thought like I was being almost irresponsible when I was like not contributing as much as what Justin was contributing. Um, Cause he'll talk for a majority of the show. And what I realized is that the dynamic of it is very much, uh, I work as almost like an instigator or not a director. I think that's giving it far too much power. Um, but he'll start going on a topic and then I'll ask a question almost as if I'm the voice of the audience. Okay. Like, what do you mean by that? Where, yeah. Like, trying to get him to expound on yeah. what he's talking about. Can you give an example of that? Like if someone were to begin powerlifting and they were in that situation, what would you recommend to them? And I love that. I, it's fantastic. It's not as if I feel as if I don't have anything to contribute. And so I'm just re- like resolved to do that. It is so much fun to be curious on the other side of the table when he's having uh, these conversations. But it's also good to be able to take somebody who understands so much of what he's talking about, that he's not breaking it down simply for people who may not understand. Where yeah. obviously people who are very much in the powerlifting world probably understand a lot of what he's saying, mm-hmm. but somebody who's maybe new to it won't. Right. Which is why like your questions of, hey, well, can you explain that or give an example or mm-hmm. Break those kind of things down. That's a great part in be able to think. Okay, let's let's make this for a broader audience instead of such mm-hmm. a narrow audience. And what's fun is, I mean, that's a perfect example right there. Where because I know most of what he's talking about, I don't know it, especially with like the strength training component and powerlifting. I don't know it to the depth that he does. Well, because he's focused solely on yeah. that for so long. Right. He's got it's, a yeah. It's like you, you have a, a broad view of what that is, right. but not such a a narrow view of it. And if I can listen to what he's talking about and understand it to a certain extent, I get to then decide what level of depth do I want to ask the next question for what level of audience? Do I want to go to a newbie and ask that question? Do I want to rephrase it and talk about the people who were you know, coming in for the first year? Do we take that and we apply it to a specific niche within that? And I get to sit back and be like, which one's the most fun? All right, let's go with this. <laughs> and like ask that question. And like, I am really enjoying watching that happen. Um, some of the guests that have come on, and I know I talked to you about it, I actually get caught up as being an audience member yes, during the podcast. Yes, no, I, I've had uh, my friend Todd come on the podcast, and, and he likes to kind of sit back and kind of watch things unfold. Yeah. And there'll be times where I'm like, all right, Todd, you're going to join the podcast instead of listening yeah. to the podcast. Like, <laughs> like, you're part of this here. Let's go now. Yeah. <laughs> we had uh, Tim Williams on from Ritual Apparel, and his story as far as like where he was prior to starting the company and how he got into it was so much fun to listen to. I realized it was like, 20 or 30 minutes and I hadn't said a word. 
I'm just like, this is great. I'm going to sit back and listen. It's like, oh, shit, I'm part of this. It kind of hits you like, oh, yeah, actually, you do have to contribute to this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it doesn't occur to you because you're, like, you're having so much fun like listening to the story of the you know the guests that you have on or like the interaction between Tim and Justin and the stories that they're sharing with one another that it just catches you off guard, which I mean is a great thing because if I was the audience member in that case, it means it's very engaging. I just have to remember to do my job. Yes. I mean, but sometimes that not might be your job. It's like, okay, sit back and kind of mm-hmm. let them go. Yeah. Because I, I definitely had guests on where I kind of had an idea of where I thought the the conversation was going to go. Mm-hmm. And like kind of just playing it out in my head over the week, like kind of thinking like, okay, I want to kind of cover these things or ask these kind of things. And just I'm just kind of thinking about it because I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I'm mm-hmm. a, I always look forward to the podcast coming up. And there was times where they went in a completely separate direction. And I didn't try to steer it back to what I wanted. Yeah. I just let it go. Like, okay, well, like, we'll figure this out later. I can, we can do another one. Mm-hmm. I can ask those other questions some other time. I don't care. So it's just, I just kind of find myself just kind of trying to go with the flow. Whereas there are other times where I have to kind of reel people back in. Yeah. Whereas, like, obviously I have a lot of the familiar guests come back on, like Jake and Andrew. We, we get on a lot of. A lot of topics and rants and stuff. Sometimes, like, all right, that's enough of that. Let's get back over to here. <laughs> I know that's one thing that we talked about where one of the earlier episodes, like, I came in with an agenda of what I wanted to talk about. Well, I had also asked you to do that. Like, hey, let's talk about. Oh, no, I mean, like, on the Prepare to Win. Oh, oh, oh I got you. We were, um, we had just started, and Justin said, hey, let's do like a recovery based episode so that people kind of get an idea of where you're coming from when you talk about that. And I came in with a list of things I wanted to talk about. I felt like I was about to give a speech in class. Like, this, these are my points. We're going to go through these step by step. Here's everything. And it wasn't a conversation. It, I mean, Justin like, was trying to contribute and ask certain things and clarify. And I just like barreled through because I'm like, nope, I got to get to this next thing. So yeah. I kind of answered I got to cover this to go to that. And right. we're going to get over here. And yeah. And now, like you were saying, like if you don't get to it, yeah, you can do it another time. And that shift in the mindset is, guess what? That gets to be another episode. Yes. You now have more things to talk about on another date. You don't have to do it that day. Absolutely. And and, and like also, I mean, I don't know if, if you want me to bring this up or not. If not, let me know. Okay. Because we had talked about you and I personally about you doing more of like um, YouTube kind of videos explaining some of those kind of things with the recovery. So you can mm-hmm. have like uh, a visual. Do you mind me talking about no, that? Absolutely. Go ahead. So, so I think that the podcast... I mean, I, I know that you record yours, like, uh, video-wise, mm-hmm. but it's it's mostly, podcasts are meant to mostly be an audio only. People usually, when they're doing other things or what have you, they just yeah. throw in their headphones and listen to a podcast. Like, I do it when I'm driving. Yep. Um, I probably should do it, like, when I'm out, like, mowing the yard or doing yard work or whatever, but I don't then. I tend to just kind of be in my own thoughts at that point, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, when I'm doing something else where I can't watch something, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. so I'm not really watching, whereas with the YouTube videos, I think that would be a better way for you to describe the way your mind works and how you're trying to essentially revolutionize the way that people see recovery, Yes, because you yeah. have a very different view of it. And I, th- I think that that's great, but I don't think that the podcast is a way to really dig into specifics of that, where, where you're talking yeah. about, like having these points and doing this and having like this talk prepared. Like, mm-hmm. I think that would be better, like used like, as, again, like you and I have talked about 
in the YouTube setting where you could break it up in little segments. Like, okay, well, this time we're going to talk about this. And it's going to be like a five-minute, ten-minute segment, whatever it is. Yeah. And then next week we're going to talk about that. But listen to this one first or watch this one first yeah. so you understand where we're going in that one and all that kind of stuff. But I think that would be a better medium for the information you're trying to get out with that. Uh, Whereas the podcast, yeah. obviously, is just like, eh, just overall, here's what I'm kind of thinking. Here's what's yeah. going on. And want more specifics, go watch my YouTube videos. That one's been a real learning process because I'm, I love going in depth, and which, which, as a side note, and this is my ADD kind of taking over for a second. I cannot fucking stand like that. It's so trendy to say, "Oh, we took a deep dive." Like we went in. No, you fucking didn't. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many times I have to read people saying on whether it's YouTube or Instagram or it doesn't every fucking podcast. It's just bullshit. The, yeah, it's it's, it's buzzwords. Trend, yeah, it's, 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 it's like from the eighties. We're gonna get our ducks in a row. Run up the flagpole. And blah, all these kind of like jargon sayings. Like they don't mean anything. Like, we took a deep dive. No, you, no didn't. you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you like. Knowing even a little bit about the topic that they're going into, I can tell you that it's barely below surface level, but it only seems deep because the majority of the people don't understand it. And so you're using that to like get more people to listen. And I'm such uh, a purist when it comes to phrases like that. Like if you say that you went deep into it, I want my mind blown by the time I'm done <laughs> listening to this. Uh, so I know that's asking a lot. Anyway, coming back. <laughs> um, it's been a learning process of giving myself permission to not do that in the podcast and figuring out how to not go into depth with things because like you said, yeah. it's the wrong medium. It's the wrong medium for that. Yeah. I enjoy talking about recovery. I enjoy talking about modalities and everything that is related to it. And then also explaining the things that aren't related to it that people think are, but the podcast isn't the place to do that No, because it's hard to express that without some kind of visual exactly process. whereas like you got to speak in very, very much generalities when you're mm -hmm. talking about recovery and for most people that is a deep dive because they don't understand it like what mm -hmm. they've been told about recovery is go eat more mm -hmm. like go home and sleep like that's that's your recovery it's like yeah. no it's different a great example of this is like why i started to come and get work done on like by you in the first place is like i was having trouble with my achilles mm -hmm. and I, I had been, I'm obviously Olympic lifting for years, and I think it's probably more like the split jerks is kind of what caused it, and playing sports all my life and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just, there's a lot of tension there, and I just, I had some tendonitis, and it was a real pain in the ass. And I was, I was seeing somebody else that coach had recommended, um, he was do, doing dry needling and that kind of stuff, and when I would see him, it would get better for a couple of days, and then it would progressively get work like worse over a few weeks sometimes i'd see him like three four weeks later mm -hmm. like it would be it would be bad again and he'd work on it it'd get better and then it would slowly get worse and then all those kind of things i, I was like okay we got obviously this isn't working mm -hmm. like i i get relief when i come to see you but i'm in the same boat by the time i come back yeah. not any better mm -hmm. so it's like all right let's try something different it's not that it wasn't working it's just it wasn't the right modality at the time maybe i don't know yeah. we'll, we'll see but so i so i was Said, so, okay, screw it. Come and see Dane. Obviously, I've known you for years through the gym mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And then said, hey, let, let's let's take a look at this. Let's work on this. And you decided basically it was like, oh, you're you're overworking it with your exercises. Let's cut those back. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a simple thing. But what I loved about it is that again, taking your new approach to like how to do recovery and trying yeah. to revolutionize all this kind of stuff. It was basically like, let's take a look at your week. All right, let's let's factor in jujitsu. Let's factor in mm -hmm. work. Let's factor in all these things. And let's decide when we want to do the exercises, when we want to do therapy, and 
and yeah. not and not just oh well let's just do it when we can or whatever like no let's plan it out mm-hmm. and we started doing that we started seeing great results and after a few months we were pretty much back to almost no pain normally mm-hmm. still took us a while to build up some strength yeah and all that kind of stuff but it was like wow just this simple thing of just instead of doing exercise like i was doing every day right Let's plan it around your activities. For for me, it was jujitsu mm-hmm. and work, and that was about it at the time. And it's like, okay, here we go. Let's figure it out. It's it's been doing great. It's amazing. I don't even think about it most days. It's awesome. Yeah. So it's like, oh, just oh, just a different way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. And just obviously like different kind of treatments because you weren't doing dry kneeling and whatnot. But still, it's like I'm I'm sure a lot of the similar kind of therapies and results I would assume, but I don't I don't know exactly. I mean, you have to like expand more on that, but again, in more in general. But it's just the the whole process was just so different than anything I'd seen before. That again, most people just don't think of it that way. And like, and again, how I think of it is like I've been in that world for a long time and playing sports all my life and doing those kind of things. And mm-hmm. you kind of learn some things along the way. It just is what it is. But I still didn't understand like obviously a plethora like yeah, like. A quarter of what you understand. <laughs> that's that's being generous for myself. You know, it just, it just is what it is. But of course, this is also what you do for a living. Well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Going to enjoy this moment over here for a second. Have my ego stroked. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. It is a different way of thinking, and. At the same time, it makes intuitive sense for me to think that way about it, that it's hard for me to remember that other people don't. And I don't mean that egotistically. I mean, I, it truly is a very naive mindset when I realize that there are a majority of the practitioners don't take these things into consideration. Um, and I have to remind myself of that because that means that there not only are there uh, is there a large population of athletes and whether that's gen pop uh hobbyists or you know professional who are being underserved because of that and i don't say that in a negative way like oh you're not doing your job um but that also means that there is a really big opportunity to help people understand that there's more that they can do often by doing less and just doing it far more strategically in the same way that a strength coach will look at someone's program and they're like, why are you working out six days a week? You don't have to do that much. And if we cut it back to the right amount on the right days and we switch some of the volume and we look at the periodization that you're doing, you're actually going to make better results in less time doing less work. Uh, that doesn't mean you don't have to work. It doesn't mean that you don't have to be you know, very diligent about what you're doing, but you can have a much better strategy on it. And I think that I got very lucky and that it may seem like an ironic thing to say, but in hindsight, I truly believe it, that if anyone goes back and listens to that first episode and you see the like 20-year journey of just bouncing around from different jobs and going all over the place that I did, every single one of those, and it's still happening now and I think it will continue to happen and kind of evolve, led to a point where I look at recovery from a different perspective than you know, traditional sports medicine. Well, um, absolutely. I think that's. I think that goes without saying, especially with the fact that most people don't look at your actual training volume or what you're doing mm-hmm. outside of just recovery. They think of like, oh, well, it's an injury. Let's just do this many exercises a day or a week or whatever, yeah. and that's that's the far as far as they go with it. They don't think of, oh, well, 
if you're a strength athlete, when's your heavy cycle days? When's your lighter days? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a sports athlete, okay, when you're when you're explosive days, when you're training days, like when you're off days, like they're not looking at those kind of things. They're just thinking, oh well, if you're if this is hurt, then we need to do these exercises. So just do these exercises. Yeah, that's all they think of. They don't think of the big picture. Most of them, well, I shouldn't, them being uh, physical therapists, massage therapists, you know, chiropractors, athletic trainers, many of them understand the tissue healing process, like how long it takes, but not to speak for, you know, fuck it, I'm going to speak for them. Um, well, they're not here, so it's right. <laughs> In my experience from having talked to them or watched them or listened to them, they understand it from a uh, outside perspective of saying it takes six to 12 weeks. Well, what happens in those six to 12 weeks? What goes on in the first 10 days as far as the inflammatory cycle and the tissue healing process? What cells are actually being uh, worked on in that? What's going on from day 10 to day 21? What's going on after three weeks going through? If someone's still training, does that affect what happens along that timeline? Does it delay it? Does it enhance it? Does it have no effect whatsoever? You have to understand that person's sport. You have to understand that person's age. In your case, it's like, you know, you're going to do jujitsu and you have a certain warm-up that they go through. I needed to know what that was so that I could say what kind of load is going onto the Achilles at that time, how many times a week, considering your size and your weight, that's a different thing than someone who's going to be my size and weight for the Achilles. Can you do that less? Can you do it more? A great example of that is um, in, in my jujitsu class, we do a very dynamic warm-up. Now, that only happens on like the adult classes that are an hour and a half. So mm-hmm. the fundamentals classes that are on like Mondays and Wednesdays at my gym, um, we don't do those same dynamic warm-ups. We'll just get on the mat and we'll shrimp and we'll uh, like hip escape and do those kind of things. So I'm obviously already on the ground, so there's no bounding. But in the other classes, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, like in the adult classes or regular classes or whatever you want to call them, the, mm-hmm. the not fundamentals classes, <laughs> <laughs> um, those like we're going to, we're going to jog around the, the perimeter of the mat and we're going to like skip and then do high knees and karaoke and jog backwards. So everything is like on the balls of your feet. So it was very taxing on my Achilles. I wasn't able to do them when I first started. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's, that's what Dane's talking about here. So if you can understand the, inflammatory process initially and most people do you know they say like well you know it should go away after 72 hours what about the reaggravation now reaggravation happens on a spectrum it's like people think well unless i'm feeling it then it's not being re-. yes it is it's like saying that just because you did squats at 60 percent that you're not strength training because you're not sore a day or two later it's like no that still used the muscle you still took it through a full range of motion you're still going to have eccentric damage that happened on it you're just not going to have much yeah pl- who's the kettlebell guy uh Pavel, Pavel, mm-hmm. right? Tatsuini, Tatsuini, or something like yeah. that, right? Um, like he talks about, you should never be sore. You should always be working submaximally. You should always just be going and going and going, where you can literally work out the next day the same muscle groups because you haven't fatigued it so much, like like you would in a, like a squat, like a heavy squat cycle for a strength athlete. Mm-hmm. Like for like for me, like in my old Olympic weightlifting days, like there were like you don't you don't can only squat maybe three times a week. Because mm-hmm. your legs were wrecked for a day or two after you did like a heavy cycle. Yeah. That's just kind of how that works. Whereas obviously Pavel talks about, no, just do more work, like at a lighter load, and you'll you'll get the same kind of effects in. It's like, okay. So it's just a different way of looking at it, right? But mm-hmm. again, some people say, well, that's not strength training because if you're not 80% plus and you're not sore the next day, then you're not doing anything. Like, that's not the case. You're still working the muscles. Right. And you're going to have a different – like if you have – 
the training that you used to do with Olympic weightlifting, you're going to have a very different result if you're going, you know, heavy three times a week or you have, um, like I know Dan's a, a big fan of like max outs on Saturday. For yes, for but squat. it was different for the masters athletes. So okay. for us older ones, like mm-hmm. I would only really go heavy on the squats once a week. Okay. And then the other two days were like more maintenance mm-hmm. because like I couldn't do two heavy squat cycles a, a, a week. I just, my body couldn't handle it. See, and that's another example, right? And not to go too far off top, it's kind of related. It's definitely related. Where people, coaches and athletes are, often intuitively understand that concept of yes. like a master's can only go so many times per week or so often. Yeah, me lifting at 35, I trained very differently than the 22-year-olds. And I wanted to map that. I wanted to understand it. I didn't want it to be a general concept where it's like, okay, let's figure out what yours is. And okay, we're only going to have you squat heavy. Well, if I have you squat at a 95%, is that going to be the same thing as you squatting like once every 10 days at a 90 or at an 85? What happens on the days in between on, let's say the seven days in between from that time you squatted at a 95, how does that look different than the 85? Do we adjust the other six days of training in order to accommodate that 10% difference for each one of those? And what does that specifically look like? And what I love is that I'm starting to slowly figure it out. And now that's kind of... And that's been the great thing of you being able to work with Justin and Dan and work with the powerlifters and the weightlifters and kind of seeing what they're doing and why they're doing it and then talking to them about their recovery and everything else. So that's been like a pretty cool relationship at the gym that you guys have been working on. It's, It's It's very interesting. insanely valuable because as long as I have it in my head that I want to look like at the strength training information and knowledge that they have, and take that experience and filter it in a recovery way, it's all the same info. I'm just applying it on the opposite side and using it to start coming up with some of that information in order to graph it and get a timeline on it. And it is, I mean, I'm an uber nerd. So when I say this, like, it's so much fun. (laughs) It's so much fucking fun to do it. Because again, I get lost in the mindset that people don't know this. Like, I just like, I can't find it anywhere, so I'll go do it. Uh, there's an imposter syndrome that comes along with that that's been difficult, but... What do you mean? The idea, like, who am I to say that this is how it works? If no one has come up with this stuff before, like, who am I to say that this is how it works? Surely but, there's got to be someone who's been smarter than me or done more work than me or been in the field longer than me that would have thought of this. Of course, but if they've got the old traditional mindset instead of looking at it from new eyes which is what you're trying to do if mm-hmm. i understand correctly um then who's to say you wouldn't come up with some new mind-blowing thing that is just different it's not that their stuff doesn't work but maybe yours is more efficient or may- maybe it just works better or who knows i don't mm-hmm. know but I- i'm just like what's what's the difference i mean what, what, I what makes you so special that it, it can't work <laughs> touche I hadn't thought of it that way, <laughs> but it, um, I don't know. Maybe it comes back to the whole like self-confidence thing or, uh, I don't know the fear of failure where I don't want to put it out. There yeah. But I just works. look at it like it's a different way of doing it just because your mind works differently and you see yeah. things differently. And where it is obviously with anything, it may not work for everyone, right. but it might work really well for most people. Mm-hmm. And if you have data to prove it, then what does it matter? 
That's the one that I want to start gathering as much as possible. I mean, mine's a great example. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to physical therapy for my Achilles for almost a year. Mm-hmm. You know, dealing with it. You know, granted, I dealt with it for years before, where it just hurt all the time. It was what it was. Like, what are you going to do? Like, whatever, you just deal with it. Mm-hmm. And and then when I when I stopped lifting competitively, I was like, okay. I started playing some other sports and doing some other things, things that I kind of put off for lifting. And I was like, you know what? I'm tired of limping around like the next two days after playing a sport or doing an activity mm-hmm. or something. Let's let's fix this. Let's actually get this better. And so I started working on it specifically. And I did that like by a lot of, I'm going to avoid sport and I'm going to do those things. I'm going to work on my recovery. I'm going to do these things I need to do to get it better so I can go back to those things, mm-hmm. be able to play them and enjoy them and then not be limping around for two days. And I was like, I literally had been doing that for almost a year before I came to see you. And what was it? Three, maybe four months. And that was us being very conservative, oh, yeah. taking our time because we knew, hey, we've already put all this time into it. There's no point in blowing it now and trying to rush back in and re-injuring something. Yeah. So let's take our time. But by then, I was be able to do the entire dynamic warm-up at the gym. Everything was no problem. I haven't tried to go back and do other sports like volleyball or softball or anything like that mm-hmm. yet. But I feel confident enough that it would be just fine. Mm-hmm. So it's like I essentially feel like I mean, I did something wrong for a year while trying to do the right thing. Yeah. The traditional way. Mm-hmm. Came to you and then here we go. Got it fixed in a few months and bada bing, bada boom, here we are. And now it's just maintenance and working on it. So mm-hmm. it's like I look at that like there's your results. Yeah. I mean <laughs> like I mean maybe you can't put that in a graph or whatever, but like simply like that's that that is simply it's just results. Mm-hmm. It worked. And it wasn't a means of doing new techniques. No. As far as like I mean, majority of the work that we did uh through your like bottom of the foot and into the arches and into the Achilles and around the soles and whatnot was like scraping and just hand massage. Yeah, but realistically, I think the the biggest part of it was just, again, the new way of looking at it, right. saying, hey, you're doing too much. Mm-hmm. Let's schedule it around your week and like, what's your other activities in the gym and jujitsu and everything else. And like, okay. And then I, I think that was the, the best part of it was just looking at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. You know, what does your week look like? How do we fit the recovery in? Let's do this and see what works and then slowly add from there. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what was like the big beneficial thing. Again, not... This talk, you were doing some magical treatment, rubbing no. bullshit on my foot. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, it's it's not that. It's it was just it was seeing the whole picture. Yeah, I think that's been, again, coming back to the idea that everything, all those little uh, random jobs, or I shouldn't say random, but like jumping around to different parts of the strength and sports medicine world, as far as jobs, all kind of added up to be able to see it, you know, from that different perspective and have the different picture. Yeah, yeah. So. It has been it has been very fun. It's been challenging to kind of see well you never know where it's gonna go. When you're in a new field like that, and if I give myself permission to accept the fact that it is a new field, you don't know what comes next. And at least with the podcast, to kind of tie the two of them together, it has grown and evolved organically, but you have a sense that it's always still going to be this podcast. Yes. And you're going to live within this world. You might not know what the world kind of looks like as you go forward. Like another 30 episodes from now could have a totally different dynamic. But I think that it'll always be a good one. It'll keep growing into what it's meant to be. Recovery, I don't know what comes tomorrow with that kind of thing because it doesn't exist. 
right now. It doesn't have a framework necessarily. So I'm kind of building the frame as I'm painting the picture and watching what the picture is going to turn into. And it is as exciting as it is daunting. Okay. That's a fair statement. Yeah. Because it keeps turning into something, but then I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Well, what's the next thing? I have no idea. <laughs> well, what are you going to do next? I guess I can do this. I don't know that that really is what needs to happen next, but it's a choice. I mean, it's, I guess it's like a lot of things. It's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. See what works and what doesn't. A lot of trial and error. Yeah. And you just kind of see what works and what doesn't and mm-hmm. just kind of move forward from there. Yeah. That's just, it's kind of how my brain works where I look at something and I think, all right, that went well. Can we do it better? Can we add anything? Can we take anything away? Can we make it more efficient? That didn't work. What didn't work about it? Can we add something to it to fix it? Is there something about that that should have worked or that I think should have worked? And how can I, you know, figure out how to make that happen? Um, can I add something to it? And it's this like constant process where, I mean, honestly, it's exhausting sometimes having to like be inside my head and like watch how things connect. Where it's like, I need to be done. I just like, I need to step away from this <laughs> and you can't, it like, it never, yeah, sometimes it's hard to turn the brain off. Yeah. It just doesn't turn off when I'm going through things and as exciting as it is, like I said, it's incredibly valuable being in the gym, you know, with Justin and with Dan and the conversations that I get to listen to with them and just how much I end up learning and being able to extrapolate from the conversations and apply it to different things. It often feels very overwhelming to try to keep up with the different ways that information can be applied. Um, do you know anything about Enneagrams? I do not. So like Myers-Briggs is the personality test. Yes. So an Enneagram is, I don't want to speak incorrectly about it because I know very little about it. My older sister, Corin, is a, a very interested and has done a lot of research and education on it. But there are these numbers from one to nine. And they help you to understand your personality in the sense of what motivates you. Okay. So instead of being like, you know, you were born a certain number. It's like, no, things happen along your life that uh, motivate you to see the world in yourself a certain way. Yes. And that... Whether those are good memories or traumatic memories, exactly. they can shape your personality. And so they found... And I guess it's like the Enneagram idea has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but it was never really written down. There's always these stories that were passed along from what I have been told by my sister. When I mean, that's that's kind of how most things were passed around like way back in the day because a lot of Just normal people, word. yeah, because they couldn't read or write. Mm-hmm. So they would tell these these stories, these moral homilies yeah. to kind of pass on the knowledge from the previous generations instead of writing things down. Aesop's that, fables. Exactly. Uh, you could you could look at the Bible the mm-hmm. same way. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a, like a lot of people say, oh, well, it it can't be accurate because it's written over these many thousands of years and blah 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 blah. Like yeah yeah, we have to understand is that those same stories were told over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And whereas yeah, our minds are very malleable. We remember things differently. Like, but there's so many different people there. It's like you can kind of check and balance yeah. that. Is like no 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 no. That's not that what they said. They said this and mm-hmm. then. They kind of make sure that things are told correctly. So that, that for a very long time, was how people learned lessons, mm-hmm. was through stories. Just share them from one generation Absolutely. to the next. So there's this information that's not written down about it, that she's researched. And it was funny because as she's going through and she's first learning, she's telling um, my little sister, Hannah, about it. 
as well as myself. We have this nice little group chat that's been going on for quite a while, and she's sharing info. And she's like, Dane, you're a five. She says, you're not supposed to tell other people what their number is. You're supposed to let them look at it and kind of assess themselves. Right. But she's like, you're a five. And the five is the, I I don't know what the title is, but essentially you love information. Like I am addicted to information. Like I want to know as much as I possibly can. I want to collect as much as I possibly can. Um, And when she's explaining it to me, she says that, you know, often fives reject the idea. They have a hard time accepting it um, because it becomes definitive. Like this is what you are. Whereas we always want to know what comes next. And if you say like you're a five, well, then it stops there. And I was like, no, nope, I'm a five. Like I totally accept that. Yeah, but I call bullshit. On a five? No, 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 no. And the fact that it stops there. I don't, yeah, that's the thing is I don't think it does. Like, I like, keep uh, learning I, more about it. I don't know too much about the Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. because that's like the, the four letter uh, yeah. descriptors of what your personality is. And it's much more in depth. What I like the, uh, the Dr. Robert Rome. Uh, the DISC model. Oh, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. and I like that because it's so much simpler. It's it's easier for my mind to understand. Yeah. I don't remember what all four things ever mean. I don't remember. I, I know once you yeah. once you read into it, and you're familiar with it. It's very easy. It's again, it's a very good descriptor, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. But I like the simpler version of the DISC. You know where where the, the quadrants literally broken up into uh, was it outgoing on top, introverted on the bottom. And then on the right is uh, people oriented, and the left is task oriented. Okay, that's that's what it's all boiled down to. So you're you're one of the four, and ideally you're really a mix of two to three of them. Mm-hmm. Typically, you're never opposite yourself, right? So if you were a D, like in the upper uh, left hand corner, you're not also going to be an S, you know, in the lower right hand corner. Okay. But you could be a mixture of the upper right or the lower left as mm-hmm. well. And that, that's kind of the idea. So when when you take the test. That's in the back of the book. You can say, oh, well, I'm mainly this, but I also have traits in this and this. And, sense, I, yeah. and I've got like, you know, only one or two points of like the the opposite of me. Like that that's very common. So most people would say like, oh, well, I'm a DI or I'm an ID or whatever. So I'm outgoing, but I'm I'm mostly people and people oriented, but I'm also kind of task oriented. Yeah. It's like a sub you know, category. So I, I, I like that model as it's so simple to understand because you can break that down in five minutes with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, are you more outgoing or introverted? Introverted. You know, like, are you more task or people-oriented? Mm. 50-50. Right? So, so then, yeah. boom, like, like we can plop you right in between those two models. Done. Mm. We're done. That's it. That's all she wrote. And then it's, <laughs> but, but I look at this also as like, okay, well, just because, again, like, like, like you had said earlier, it's like, I may be born with this natural personality that's developed over my life. But if I've had traumatic experiences or what have you, those mm-hmm. can shape my personalities as well. Yes. Because like I've actually heard of some people that are actually opposites. Mm-hmm. So like they're, they're one like in the, like the lower like right or left-hand corner and then also in the upper right-hand corner. Like, well, how does that make – that doesn't make sense. That's not normal. What happened there? And they find out, oh, well, I had an abusive stepfather when I was a kid and, mm-hmm. and he was very choleric and would just pound on me and do all these kind of things, and which, which is the, the D personality. And it's like – so to get along with him, I had to become very sanguine, very much the opposite. Just go with the flow and whatever you want. Be very much a people pleaser yeah. and that kind of stuff. And But it, that – but again, that happens with trauma. That mm-hmm. didn't happen naturally. It happened because – 
if not, they would have just, because they're probably both choleric, they probably would have just fought, just head butted heads all the time. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I just give up. I'm done. I'm over. Like, so there's instances like that. But the idea with all of those that Dr. Robert Rome talks about in his book, uh, Positive Personality Profile is what mm-hmm. it's called. It's big D-I-S-C on the front. It's purple and pink or some shit. It's, it's crazy looking. <laughs> um, so you can't miss it. But, um, but he talks about the idea is to know your personality, but not be held captive by it. Yes. It's like the idea is to know what it is, but more importantly is learn how to communicate with the other personalities. Yes. So ideally that you can be a chameleon. So when you meet someone, yeah, exactly. So when you meet someone that is like a high eye, who is very outgoing and people oriented, life of the party, always talking to people and this and that, you know how to relate to them no matter what your temperament is Mm -hmm. so that when they talk to you, they think you're one of them, which is only like... I think 20% of the population or something like that for the, for the high eyes, right? So it's like you break all the statistics down. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the lowest is the clerics. I think they're like 12 to 15%, which is good because I call that the Marine mentality. That's like <laughs> we're just going to bang our heads against the wall until we break through the wall. Screw this place. That's, that's their mentality. We can only handle so many of those people. <laughs> but it's just, the idea, again, the idea is to be a chameleon. So I, I don't buy into the bullshit of like, oh, well, this is just my temperament. This is what it is. No, it's bullshit. You can choose to be whatever you want to be. Well, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But God damn it, you can do it. It's been a lot of work. But so they talk about how in times, so let's say I'm like the base five and they have these wings. I don't fully understand all of it. I don't. I get it. Do, yeah. I get it. But there's the wing of a four and the four is very creative. So I've got this creative aspect that comes out from time to time. And I think like we've talked about like the theater and playing piano and like music and everything like that, where it starts coming out. Um, but then you can move you know, like if you're stressed and whatever that ends up looking like, whether that's, you know, physical stress or emotional stress, life or whatever, you can move to like this other, what I do is go to seven and seven is very manic. Um, and then you have in times of health, I moved to eight and eight is this, uh, like a CEO, very powerful, easy to make decisions. This is what we're doing kind of thing. And so you're right. Like it's very flexible depending on what's going on. And the whole, the thing that I really liked is anytime that I've been in a relationship, they have really great information, whether it's a working relationship, platonic, uh, romantic, where you look at the numbers and they help you to understand one another. So you know how each other are communicating. Um, it's been incredibly helpful because I have a very hard time as empathetic as I am. I don't understand where people are coming from a lot. I like, I have it in my head that I understand them. And so I've made my decision on why they're doing what they're doing. And I just, I, I stop at that. It's like, I, I can tell what you're feeling. I've decided where you're coming from. Let me handle this. Let me, let me take care of it. And it's caused a lot of strife, it's caused a lot of conflict within relationships um, to where one of the things, and I know we're going like random direction here. But <laughs> That's the idea like, of the podcast, sir. One of the things that was incredibly liberating about it um, that I didn't expect to figure out about myself is that there are times where I will explain something to someone and I'll come across like a dick. And I never had words for it because I never thought that I needed to have a way to explain it to myself because I thought I just understood it. But like, that's my way of giving a gift. Like I love information 
so much. I love understanding. That's the like, key here. Like, I love understanding so much that I usually don't speak up about something unless I actually understand it. Whereas many people will be like, well, let me tell you how this is. And you're listening to me like, you're so full of shit. That's not anyone. <laughs> and when you, like, if you called them out on it, you know, whether you're nice or mean about it, it doesn't matter. Like they would say, well, like, yeah, I don't really know that much. It's like, I'm just, you know, offering it, take it for what it is. Whereas I have this like limiter effect where it's like, if I don't hit a certain amount of information about it, I don't contribute because I want to be certain that I'm actually helping you when I do it, which is why it's very hard when I get told that I'm wrong. It's like, it's not that I need to be right. It's that information and understanding something is such a gift that I want to give to somebody that when they say I'm wrong, it's like they're throwing my gift back in my face. Like, this is, this is all I have to give you. Like, this is so important to me. I want you to have it. Let me take everything that I took time and energy to understand. I'm going to condense it down. Here you go. This is me trying to help to the best of my ability. Yeah. And they say you're wrong. And it's like, you basically just told me that my gift isn't good enough. I'm not good enough in that moment to help you out. And being able to look back on that and realizing that that's what I'm doing when I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to correct them. I don't need to be right. But that's my way of like showing love okay. basically was incredibly helpful and very liberating to have that put in words. But it also helped me to understand why people might see me as being like, you just need to be right. Like you, you get angry when I tell you that you're wrong. It's like, I don't need to be right. If I know I'm right, I would really like you to like acknowledge the fact that I am, but I don't need to be right. I yeah. need you to understand that I'm trying to help. That's what that moment is. That's why it hurts so much. That's why I get angry. That makes sense. But also part of that understanding is also knowing how other people view that same information. Right. Whereas they don't see it the same way you do. And that's been a part of the education process exactly. too. It's been really helpful. Exactly. Whereas you need to be able to, again, learn how to communicate with the other temperaments so to know how they see things. And, mm -hmm. and again, well, I mean, realistically, what it really boils down to is the fact that even if you did hurt someone's feelings or sound like a dick or did whatever, all they, all they need to do is be an adult and say, hey, you know, you said this. Mm -hmm. Now, I took it like this. I'm sure that's not what you meant. What did you actually mean? You know, so I, that, that's, that's just an easy conversation to have of like, hey, I took this as you being an asshole. And it made me feel like this. I'm yeah. sure that's not what you meant. <laughs> I'm sure you weren't trying to be an asshole. You know, so let's, let's try to get on the same page here because that hurt my feelings. <laughs> It is amazing how hard it is for people to have that conversation, though. Yes, because most people are cowards. Yes. <laughs> Which, I, I'm not saying that it's easy to have that. I mean... It is easy to have that conversation. It really is. Why? And just throwing it out there because I know that there isn't a good answer for it and it probably comes back to what you said where people are just scared. Like, everything comes down to being afraid. No, no, no. You, like, you have to be able to admit that you are wrong. Why, and most people are unwilling to do that. Why is it so hard to tell someone that you disagree with them and have it not be an attack? <sighs> I'm not saying that you're a bad person because I disagree with you. Let me just share my viewpoint, and it's not a fight. The real reason, in my opinion, is social media. Because for a very long time, since what, 07, 
Do you think it's because of or made yes. worse because of? Uh, I think it's because of. Okay. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll explain why. The first, what, iPhone was made in 07. Yes. Right? So that, that yeah. changed the entire world. I mean, whether, whether we like it or not, it did. Mm-hmm. And it took people from communicating in person because most people would call people and talk on the phone or they would talk in person. Texting was a pain in the dick. Because you had to hit seven four times to get, to get to a letter. Like this sucks. Like you would you would make those very short text messages, and it's a horrible way to communicate. It's it's just I know love people love to say no. I I do my best thinking when I can sit down and write it out, look it out. Like no 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 no. That's horrible because no one has emotion to letters. There's no emotion. You and I talking right now. We can emphasize emotion of what's going on, how I oh, feel, okay. I'm what's what going saying. on. You know what I mean? I think it's Whereas some you really read, good writers. No, 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 no. You read it and it's very cold. So it sounds like they're being a dick. Like they mean that what's going on, but you don't, you don't hear the love and the empathy in their voice. And when they're telling you, hey, you're fucking up. I want you to stop fucking up. I love you. Stop doing this. Mm-hmm. But if they write it down, it's like, oh my God. They're telling me I'm a fuck up. What's going on? I, what, that makes, that makes me mad. And they stew over it and they reread it and they do these kind of things and it becomes this issue. So I really believe that ever since then, so then with, so not just that. So people stopped talking in person, whereas nowadays kids are uncomfortable to talk in person. They Mm -hmm. would rather text than actually talk to each other, which is strange to me, but to each their own, they'll figure out eventually. Um, So then there's that. And then we get into social media. And then people now have arguments on social media where they disagree with other people. And again, it's the cold text. Where there's no emotion, there's no real feeling about the other person. They don't see it as another person. It's now it's just letters on a page that they're reading the meaning of, and they're mm-hmm. getting mad and stewing over and getting more worked up, and then they get yell at each other online and do all this kind of stupid shit. And it's like, I really blame that for the fact that people can't have a normal conversation, especially disagree. That's why a lot of people are just in echo chambers. Where they just talk to people who only believe what they believe mm-hmm. and they don't ever challenge their own thinking because if they do, it starts an argument because people can't sit back and pull themselves away from their feelings or their thoughts on political topics or whatever. It doesn't matter. They can't pull their thoughts away from their actual personality. Does that make sense? It does. There was an article that I it made me think of as you're going through where they asked high schoolers about how they would prefer to talk to somebody. And, you know, they're saying that they would rather text than do a phone call or in person. Yep. And they asked them why. And they said they they never know what to say in person. They can't ever think of anything to say in person. But when they can text, they have the freedom and the luxury to write it out, edit, change, add, come back to it later. I can respond to you when I want to respond to you. It's like I can read it. And then like three hours later, when I finally thought of something, I can say exactly what it is that I want to say. And if the idea of them having a conversation in real time, person to person, scared the shit out of them, you know, made them anxious and panic because they wouldn't have, I guess, that defense. But there doesn't need to be a defense. And that's the thing is they that- don't, yeah, they don't understand how to do it. And so they view it as something that's scary. scary. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that, that's, that's the big word, but the, Real problem is, is that people, again, instead of just agreeing to disagree and listening to other people's ideas and thoughts and then trying to see it from their perspective, all they want to do is, I hate to say it, is regurgitate crap 
that they've heard. It's not even true most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I just I heard this on the news, or my friend said this, or my dad said that, or whoever. It doesn't matter. Is they're just regurgitating stuff they've heard. Nothing is their own thought, and then they just want to fight. So it's like we can't have a disagreement because if I have a different opinion than you. You can't explain to me why you believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. You've just heard this and you're just parroting it because, again, that's what we've, it's what they're teaching people now in schools. It's not, hey, let's actually learn the material and think for yourselves. No, it's memorize this shit. Tell it to me exactly like I told it to you or we're going to fail you out of this place and you're going to be a mm-hmm. failure for the rest of your lives and blah, 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 blah. It's the exact opposite of fucking education. That's why I don't call it that anymore. It's now I just call it schooling because mm-hmm. it's just bullshit. And so it's like these kids have been taught to do this. They're not taught to think for themselves. They're not taught to have their own opinions and voices and anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, it's just regurgitating stuff. And things get mad and violent really quickly online because, first of all, there's no repercussions. Yeah, you know, if, if, no if I were to look at you, and please don't take this the wrong way. No. But if I were to look at you and say, <laughs> you are an ugly son of a bitch and I fucking hate you. <laughs> Like, like, go kill yourself for something stupid. Like, yeah. like, like what fucking kids do online all the goddamn time, which obviously I don't, I mean, you're a beautiful man and I, lo- <laughs> and, I, and, I and I love you to death and I'm jealous. It's all right. You handsome bastard. But it's like, but there's no repercussions for them saying these things online. Whereas in real life, if I were to say that to you, you didn't like it. You could punch me in the face. Could. You know, exactly. So it's like, I think we need to get back to that. First of all, I think mutual combat should be a thing in our society. I think if two people want to fight it out, they should be able to. Shouldn't be able to get sued and all that kind of stuff for it. Like, hey, if two people agree and they want to go for it, light it up. Here you go. Beat each other up. Who cares? Don't kill each other. Don't do something stupid. Don't eye gouge. Like, don't don't be a total dickbag here. But if you want to just slug it out for a little bit and get over it, that's fine. I, I think that should really come back. But. Multiple thoughts I, going through my head. I know. But I really, <laughs> I really, really, really blame social media but more importantly is the fact that people nowadays don't want to actually talk to someone they want to put it in text whether it's mm. an email or a text message or a letter or whatever it doesn't matter it's a horrible way to communicate the best way is to sit down with someone and just hash things out but people can't no. because as soon as somebody says something they don't agree with it instantly turns into a fight and an argument and they start yelling again it's because they can't explain why they believe what they believe. So they instantly have to go to a fight so that the thing is over. And they just start name calling and, oh, well, you're just a racist. Or you're this. Or you're that. Or you're whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, it ends the argument because now that they're less than human. And it's like, no, we're all just human. And we're very complex creatures. Mm-hmm. And we're allowed to have a differing of opinion. And I love talking to people with different opinions in mind because it challenges yeah. my own beliefs. Now, they're not going to try to change my mind. I'm not trying to change their mind. Right. It's just what I believe is just what they believe. It's it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. But I still love them for who they are. And mm-hmm. hopefully, they still love me for who I am, whether mm-hmm. we agree or not. Who cares? I think it makes sense. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of the list of I want to go through this. <laughs> well, I kind of dumped a bunch on you. Let's be real honest here. <laughs> Let's see what I can do here. Uh, one, completely agree with you that social media has no consequences and it turns people into thinking that they can say whatever they want, that they don't view... It the turns them into person. bullies. Yeah. They don't view the other person as a person That's, that's the real problem. Uh, the the security of anonymity, uh, which like I can say whatever I want via keyboard, hurt you as much as I want, anger you as much as I want, and there's no responsibility on me because of that. 
um, very, very real and has been around for a while. We're obviously not the first people to say it, but of course, I mean, kids are brutal. Kids oh, are God. brutal. Awful. Um, I agree with you about the regurgitation. There was an interview I listened to um, where this incredibly smart economic professor was talking about his time getting his master's in economics, and he was fantastic in a classroom. He was amazing at regurgitating. And then he got his first job, and he's feeling all excited because he came out with a very high GPA, and he was well-recruited, and the boss says to him, all right, I need you to figure this out, how we're going to fix it in a week. And he goes, what? What do you mean? I'm good at telling you what something is. Uh huh. I'm not good at coming up with something. I'm good at schooling. And he was sweating bullets. Memorizing shit for a test and then forgetting it. And then he figured out afterward, you know, through a process of learning how to do it, he loved it. He loved being able to figure out how to problem solve, taking information he had learned and then applying it to real life situations. Um, that's just one that comes to mind. I but think- also, but also in that same aspect, it's like there's a reason also why a lot of people who own companies and are CEOs and run companies are like C students at best. Mm-hmm. There's a big reason for that. Like they kind of barely got through school. They'd work really hard and this and that. It wasn't like like the economics professor who was like really good at this stuff and can mm-hmm. memorize these things and had a super high GPA. Typically, those people work for the C students. Yeah, because they have the C student. Now, granted, like I, I was an average student. For the most part. I was like, a lazy student. <laughs> likewise. So the, the C student has to figure out ways in order to get through a system they don't like, don't understand, and don't really fit into. And yes. it creates so many learning opportunities. And that's putting a silver lining it's, it's on its it. It's its own problem solving. Yeah. At that point, it's not just memorizing stuff for the test, which is what the really good students do. Mm-hmm. They're just really good at memorizing stuff. The things that I understood... In the situation, and I know we talked about it, you know, previously about teachers who I thought were fantastic because they inspire you to want to learn it, like truly learn it. Like in past podcasts? Yeah. Okay. Uh, And just other conversations that we've had because I can't count the number of times that we've spent hours talking at the gym just having conversations. <laughs> I can remember one time, I think it was like over a four-hour conversation. It was. It was it, like I literally had like a lawn chair. Like we were sitting yeah. like in the gym and we were just bullshitting. I think it was like summer night or something and people had finished up training and you and I were just talking. And I think it was like after a meet or something. Yeah, garage door was open yeah. and it was really nice. Yeah, it was it's fantastic. a beautiful day. Yeah. Just sat there and talked for four hours. You know, normal. I think it's normal. Yeah. People think I'm weird, but whatever. <laughs> they think I'm weird too. Uh, <laughs> But the ones that inspired me to truly understand something, those were the classes I did the best in. Yes. There wasn't... Those are good teachers. There wasn't... Teach you to yeah. think for yourself. It wasn't... Not just, here's the stuff, memorize <laughs> this for the test. It's going to be on the test, write it down. Now, I could regurgitate it. Me too. That's how I got through school. But I could, in, a, in those classes, I could give them the answers that they were asking for because I knew so much about it. Because I was so invested in it. Yes. I liked it. Yes. It's like, okay, you want that one? Yeah, I can regurgitate that for you if you want to. Um, but I could also do all these other things as well that these other topics that we talked about. Um, it just happens like you want me to spit out this answer? Okay, there you go. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is like when I – we talk about trauma with the DISC and with the Enneagram stuff and how it kind of motivates in the difference between – bullying that happens online versus in school and social media was not a thing when i was in high school nor nor mine yeah. i mean like i mean most people didn't even have cell phones back when right. i was in school like i didn't get my first cell phone till i was in college mm-hmm. i was married 
with you know my like, a young daughter, and I was driving three hours to college. You know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was there all week, then home on the weekends, working, you know, uh, two ten-hour days, and then it was like back to back to school on Monday. And it's like that's the first time I had a cell phone. It was the first time I needed one. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I need to be able to call my wife if I need to. I was eighteen when I got a cell phone as a like flip phone, and I thought it was cool because the screen was actually in color. <laughs> big technology kids were fucking brutal the things that i got told like to my face by you know kids my age younger than me older than me i mean some of it was because my older brother is five years older than me uh finished high school before i got there and there were a lot of guys who didn't like him okay for one reason or another and they took it out on me because i look a lot like him i'm his younger brother and it's like oh he's a smaller version of joel we can pick on him or basically terrorize him, picking on his, putting it lightly. And like one time the kid looked at me like straight to my face and he's like, God, you really are a waste of sperm, aren't you? I was like, well, I'm 14 years old. <laughs> 20 years later, I still remember that yeah. moment. Those are hurtful things yeah. that kids say because they don't realize how hurtful they are. To them, they're just being funny or piling on or who knows what, what the mentality is. But they're, they're just yeah. being assholes. They hated me in a way that I didn't understand because of something that I never did. I just existed. Yeah. And it's, not like you, it's, not, it's not like you provoked them or did right. something stupid or anything else. Like You, you were know, probably very quiet, kept to yourself. I mean, you, I you, did you play any sports? I ran track in cross okay, country. So you ran track. So you had some friends from that mm, probably, yeah. but probably like a, a very small niche group, right? The situation for that one, just as backstory on it, because I think it's kind of funny – we were doing the presidential fitness test, and part of it is a 50-yard sprint. And the teacher came down. He put a cone down on where we had to start. And he had mentioned in a previous class, because he was also um, my track coach. And so I – actually, no, it wasn't a class. It was at a practice. He's like, I need to measure this out. Hey, will you help me out? Uh, hold it here. And he did it, and it was 45 meters. He was okay. I thought it, that one was 50. We'll have to go back to the next line. Well, when we get to class the next week – he puts the cone at the 45 because he still has it in his head. Like, that's where we need to start. So everybody's getting better times because it's shorter. And I make a mention to him. I was like, uh, the cone's in the wrong spot. Do you actually do you want it at the 45 or should we move it back? I'm a freshman. These seniors are in the class and they get pissed at me <laughs> because now they're not going to have as good of a time. Like, yep. Why did you say anything about that? And they get just live no, it. no, no. Trust me, I understand yeah. that exactly. I had that exact same experience happen in uh, junior high track. Uh, I think it was eighth. No, it was seventh grade year. Eighth grade year, I threw. So I went seventh grade year. I was doing sprints. Mm-hmm. I didn't throw until eighth grade, and um, we were doing I think three hundred meter repeats, something like that. Okay. And these guys. Like all the guys, they were all eighth graders. They were a year older than me. They all kept like creeping forward like five, ten feet at a time for every start. And they kept getting closer and closer and, and like thinking that the the coach isn't realizing. And it's like, the coach can see what you guys are doing. And I, I'm just like, I'm going to start back here on the line. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you guys are cheating. Why are you cheating? And mm-hmm. and they're getting mad at me. Like, oh, move up here. What the fuck are you doing? You're going to get us in trouble. And they're like yelling no, at me. Like, you're going to get yourself. And, and, I, and I caved to like peer pressure and I kind of went up to where they were. And I, instead of like holding to my guns, like, no, screw you. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I can remember like that, literally that exact same thing yeah. of like, because you only got like whatever it was, like 50 seconds to get the 300 done or mm-hmm. who knows. I mean, it's, it's slow, but still it's, I mean, for a seventh grader, I mean, it's pretty fast, but 
I was going to say, I don't know if I could do that in seventh grade. Well, I certainly couldn't do it now. <laughs> but at the time when we were running, like, in the mid-season or whatever, like, yeah. it was it was no big deal. But it's like, well, you guys are cheating. What are you doing? Like, oh, my God. But they get, they get so mad about stupid shit like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. guys, like, you're literally only cheating yourself. It's like, what are we doing here? And I think I can remember the moments like that, like, getting slammed up against lockers by guys older than me. Um, uh, I got choked out against a bathroom door one time by a guy because he said that I made fun of him at another time. He just like, I was walking down the hall, didn't even like see it coming. He's grabbed me. Uh, we had like these recesses off the hallway where you get like female door on the left, male door on the right. That's pretty common design. Yeah. I think our old high school had the same thing. So grabs me, throws me into the recess, chokes me up against the bathroom door. He's like, you think you're funny? And I honestly, I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't realize I had made a joke. Um, things like that. Really, really common. I mean, now, I, mean imagine, I, hate to, I hate to say it. Kids are brutal and they yeah. do stupid shit like that all the time. Now, take situations like that and allow it to happen on social media where you have access to say things to people like that. Now, granted, there isn't the physicality of it. Uh, like, I don't know. Some of the comments I've seen are pretty brutal. I mean, like, like you I, can't I, grab I know, someone by I the know throat. that yeah. like, they literally are choking you, but oh my God. Yeah, and open that up to where you can say it to them 24 hours a day. And not just the people you know, but anyone involved in yeah. that who wants to get involved with that. And, and apparently it's much worse for girls than it mm-hmm. is for guys. Because I hate to say it, but girls are a little bit more vindictive and they hold on to things. Whereas most guys, you'll see it, you'll laugh it off, and you'll kind of move on. Like Whereas back in the old days, when, actually when, you were, when you were allowed to be boys, you'd go outside, you'd fight. Mm-hmm. You know, they said something stupid, like, okay, well, let's go fight. You'd go fight. Typically, you'd, you'd hug afterwards and you'd be best friends. It'd be no big deal. You'd be over it and you'd be done. Like, women don't do that. They hold on to shit. And they just they just pick on each other. And apparently, uh, the suicide rate for, like, young teenage girls is so much higher. Because, like like you had said, whereas before, you, you got bullied in school. Sure. But once you went home, you were safe. Mm-hmm. Whereas now... You can get bullied 24-7 because of social media and online and all that bullshit. Yeah. And again, kids are ruthless. So it's like, it's just, I guess it's so much worse for girls. But it just in overall, it's just, it's worse for everybody, I think. Because again, like the stuff's always there. It never goes away. Once stuff's online, it's there. You could have one thing that happened like a year ago, keep having new things evolve with it. Oh, yeah. It's like you get a picture posted of you that you didn't want up there. And suddenly a month later, it gets seen by this other school over here. And then a month after that, it's having comments because it gets put on this website. And like it keeps growing. You never get to move past it. Really. That's an excellent point. One of the, And when you said about the whole like having a fight thing, that was something that happened in the army. Like the drill sergeants were very specific about it. I was like, listen, you have a problem with someone. I don't care who it is. You both agree to it. You're coming down. You go to the pit. You take care of that. And there were rules on what you were and weren't allowed to do. Of course. No fish hooking. No eye gouging. Let's, yeah. let's, let's be adults here. Drill sergeant would watch it. And when you were done, you were done. Like, if you want to have a problem, you get to have a problem there. You go in the pit. You take care of it. And when you walk out, it's over. If you don't want to go in, then just shut the fuck up. You obviously don't have enough of a problem to do anything about it. And guys did. Girls did. If they had an issue with somebody, you'd call them out. You either accept it or not. You went in the pit. You had your five minutes. And you were done. Uh, I agree with you. I think that there are some serious motivating aspects about having a uh, 
literal in-moment consequence like that. Yes. And I, it's I, a very PC way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, mutual comment should be a thing. But uh, Andy Stump talks about this all the time. I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. He has what he calls the elevator rule. It's like, would I say this to someone in a closed elevator? If, Ooh, I like that. If not, then maybe I shouldn't say it. Mm-hmm. Period. Leave it at that. I like Because, again, there are consequences for the things that you say and do. Mm-hmm. So beware of that and realize that if I say something to you that you don't like, you're free to punch me in the face. It's like I'm not a violent person, but just knowing that that's on the table changes the conversation. It's not a fear thing. No. It's not like, oh, I'm so afraid of you that I'm not going to say what I'm feeling because I'm worried that you're going to punch me in the face. No, because like, you, you automatically know it's the wrong thing to do. Right. If I'm afraid to say something because I think that you're going to attack me, I'm obviously having either the wrong conversation or saying the wrong thing in the conversation. Yeah, so stop being a douchebag and making those kind of comments. And it's amazing when you, someone is like texting you and you're having an argument with them and you call them and their tone completely changes. Of course. It's like, oh, now you actually have to be responsible for what you're saying in the moment, even though it's just on the phone. Yes, that's why I'm saying like texting or just text in general Mm -hmm. is such a horrible way to communicate. Just talk to someone. And when you were talking before about like having conversations with people, whether they're heated or not, because I, I know we've talked about this before though, but like I make a distinction between like having a fight and having an argument that is very much based on maturity and the emotional intensity of it. Like I can have a very heated argument with someone, but I'm always respectful. Yes. And when you cross that line, that's whether it's physical or verbal, to me, it doesn't matter. Like, once you cross that line of respect, that's when we shift into having a fight. Well, here's the thing for me. is like, once once you shift over into having a fight, mm-hmm. I'm done listening. Yeah. Like, you can kiss my ass. Like, I'm a grown-ass man. I'm out. Like, you're not going to talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've been in offices where people would yell and scream and get their point across or whatever. They're just, they're just uh, ruling by fear is mm-hmm. all it is. And it's like, I don't deal well with that. If you've, if you've got something to say to me, be an adult. Come over and tell me. If you think I'm a fucking idiot and you hate me, just tell me. That's fine. You're allowed to have your opinion. I'm never going to talk to you again because you're a douchebag. <laughs> but you're allowed to have that. But don't yeah. come over to me and start yelling and screaming and making this big hoopla. It's like, I'm a grown-ass man. You're not going to talk to me like that. If you're going to do that, like I'm going to punch you in the face. Like If that gets me fired, that gets me fired. Like I don't care. Like, I remember, like, when I started my, my last job, it's like, I told my boss, because, like, there, again, there were people there, like, middle management that mm-hmm. were just screamers and just yelling and doing all this kind of stupid stuff. And I'm like, if somebody yells at me, like, I'm going to yell back. And if things get physical, like, I'm going to punch them in the face. Like, I, I'm not going to deal with that. Like, if you got if you want to talk to me, let's talk. Mm-hmm. If you disagree with me and, and you, you things are heated, that's one thing. Yeah. But like you'd said, if, as soon as it stops being respectful, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, we're, we're done. And don't raise your voice at me. Mm. Like you can, be, you can be upset, and you can let me know you're upset. That's fine. I don't mind the emotion, but don't start yelling at me. No, I'm a grown ass man. You can't treat me like that. That disrespect, and you can be incredibly disrespectful without ever raising your voice. Um, you can be incredibly disrespectful without being physical or uh, being overly emotional. But as soon as it happens, yeah, you, it's no longer. Yeah, it's over. It's done. Yeah, and. But I'm the kind of person, I'll just get up and walk away. Yeah. Like, screw you, I don't care. I I'm done. You can hate me, I don't care. What do you, we're already done. Like, I'm, I just realized that I'm never going to have anything to want to do with you ever again. Right. Like, I'm, I'm done. It's, 
what we had said before, like it's very easy to have the argument. It's even easier to get afraid of that and switch over to disrespect because you can hide in the disrespect. Oh yeah. Like it's so much easier to be like, no, go fuck yourself. Like you're an evil person. Like I hate you and never want to talk to you again because I no longer have to tell you what I'm thinking and how, what I'm feeling in that moment. I don't have to try to make you understand me. I get to disconnect and just be a dick. I've stopped having to put any effort in. That is so much easier to do than to have the argument. Oh, yeah. Because you get to essentially walk away. Yeah, you're still in the room. You might still be talking, quote unquote, talking to the person, but you're not having a conversation anymore. No. Your mind is completely shut down to what they're saying. Exactly. You're, it's just wah, 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 wah. Wait, get down and go away. Mm-hmm. And, that's and I, I, I hate to say it, but like I hear of a lot of people who have like like romantic relationships like that, where they'll get into fights and, mm-hmm. and people will bring up stuff that happened before. Like, like like you said in the army, it's like, you got this beef, go hash it out in the pit. And once it's done, it's done. You mm-hmm. never bring it back up. And people will just like bring up these old things that create wounds and problems and this and that. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. Like, you're not trying to work on anything. You're just trying to be hurtful. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Like, that's not healthy relationship. And no. unfortunately, some people didn't grow up with healthy relationships. They don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, first of all, it's not exactly an excuse. I mean, because you can, you can read, you can figure things out. Plus, we all know, like, don't be an asshole. I mean, we, learned, <laughs> we, learned that, we learned that in kindergarten. Yeah. Like, don't hit, don't bite, don't steal. Like, like it's simple. It's like, life's not that hard. It's, it's really not that difficult. But, no. But it's just when, when I, st- I start to see people fighting like that, like couples and screaming and yelling and bringing up old arguments, like, oh, my God, stop. Like, mm-hmm. this is doomed. Like, you're never going to have a healthy relationship after this. I mean, it's once you kind of go there, I look like it's done, man. Like, mm-hmm. just just leave. Like, guy or girl, doesn't matter. Like, whoever's doing the other side, like, it's not worth it. One of the things that the conversation, like you were saying, you can disagree with someone. You can have an argument about it. This is something I was actually, I was talking with my parents about it recently, is explaining my viewpoints on, not, I don't, not religion, but I guess origin, in a sense. Um, again, not spirituality. I don't have a good word for it. Uh, I look at the idea of how things started in a what you would consider of religious aspect in okay. a, in a different way than most people. I have yet to be able to have that conversation with someone and it has never been heated. It has never been disrespectful or intentionally disrespectful. I don't say it from a viewpoint of look how much more I know than you or you're wrong. I'm right. It's always been again, coming back to that idea of the five, like let me share my thoughts. Let me give you information. Uh, you don't have to agree with me. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm not asking you to think that I'm right, but I'm going to share this with you. Yeah. And it always is that situation because it's very rare that I meet someone who I, and especially now it's even more rare that I feel like I can trust with that because I get so incredibly scared that I'm going to offend them on something that is a huge foundation for a lot of people and like yeah. how they see the world and how they see themselves. That's how most people view themselves through their religion. And I don't, I, I was talking to parents about it because again, coming back to the idea that I don't, 
I can tell what people are feeling, but I don't always understand where they're coming from with it. And I never understood why they were so threatened by the conversation. I've had people literally just stop talking and walk away. It, in my mind, having been raised in a very religious, uh, Christian-based uh, family, mm-hmm. I can tell you it's from people stop, start to shut down and freak out about anything that jeopardizes their own beliefs is because they can't explain to you why they believe what they believe. Most people have just been told what to believe, so they mm-hmm. just believe that. And and they, they ignore the fact that you only believe that because you were born in this time on this patch of dirt. Mm-hmm. If you were born in the Middle East, you'd be Muslim. Like, no, 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 I wouldn't do that. Like, yeah, you would. Because that's how you would be indoctrinated. That's how you'd be taught from a young age. So you would think that was right. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't sit back to question things. What do I really believe? Why do I believe that? What's going on? What's the differences in the other religions? What? Why are there multiple religions? Why are there multiple gods? Like, what? What? what what's up with the um, uh, mythological gods and all, yeah. all those kind of things? Like, and there's, and there's like the the South American gods and mm-hmm. all those kind, like the Native Indian gods, and like there's there's so many different kinds of gods throughout all the different you know. Uh, time frames and populations and generations and everything else it's like there's very complex things here and guess what nobody knows the answer nobody no they all just think that they're right but they don't want to question their own beliefs because they think if they do then they're bad they're going to go to hell or they're going to be you know suffer all damnation or you know excommunicated from their church or who knows i don't know it's 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 an irrational thought to me i look at it like religion's stupid religion's man-made like yeah. to look at let's let's look at the bigger pictures. Like, do you believe in a god? Like, do you believe in a big explosion created everything? Or like, what do we believe in? I don't know. Like, I have no idea. But I'll I'll tell you this: it's like I'm the first to admit that I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm also the first to admit that religion's just man-made. Mm-hmm. It's not made by God. If there even is a God, if there is a God, who made God? You know, like there's all those kind of questions that nobody has answers to. Right. So it's like. If there was a Big Bang, how was the Big Bang? Like, how did that happen? Like, like nobody knows. Like, nobody has any fucking idea of what's what's going on. And if you want to have these conversations, I know some people. Okay, <laughs> and we can we can have them either on or off the podcast. It doesn't matter. So no matter what area you want to look at it as, as like I I definitely know people who have like researched this a bunch, and it's really interesting. But the more that I've looked at the different kinds of religions, whether it be like Eastern, Western, Old, New, whatever, like there's so much more in common then there is differences but it's just like i i still don't understand why they're so different except for the fact that religion is just man-made and it's just meant to control people that's all it is it's certainly been used in that way that's why it was created i well i try to have enough or to give enough benefit of the doubt in some of the origin of it where it's like let's let's say that there was a person named jesus I'd like to think that he wasn't thinking to himself, let me create this foundation for a religion that will control people. I'd like to think that he had But that wasn't the foundation for that religion. That religion had been around for thousands of years prior to him walking the earth. As far as Judaism? Yeah. Yeah. And then it morphed and changed. And there's some people who stick with the Judaism. Some people who only believe in the New Testament. Some people who only believe in the Old Testament. Some people believe in all of it. Like... What does it matter? Like it's it's all written by people. Like it's not mm-hmm. written by God. There's no 
There's no tablets that somebody brought down from a fucking mountain that magically got inscribed. Like, get out of here. Like, this is fucking ridiculous. Well, no, that was Christian Bale. He went up on top of the mountain and he carved it out as God was talking to him. <laughs> if anyone has seen that movie, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I don't know what I believe and why I believe. I don't, I don't have a clue. But I, all I know is that things don't make sense to me. And I'm, and I'm okay to, to admit that. And like, I don't know what's going on. Like, do I think there's another dimension and realms of existence? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's like, been do proven. I think it's what religion teaches to us? No. No, I don't. I often, and where do I want to go with this? Again, a couple different thoughts. In my head, <laughs> um, and even as we're talking about it, there is this feeling of hesitation inside of me because I've had so many experiences It's an now. incredibly controversial topic. It is. That most people are afraid to have. Yes. So they don't want to question anything that they've been told because to them that's blasphemy or what have you and they're going to be kicked out of whatever it is that they're doing. They're not going to exactly. go to heaven or you know, uh, whatever the other religions and stuff call it, you know, paradise, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, imagine having a core tenet of how you see the world and how you see yourself and how you fit within that that you've carried with you essentially your entire life. It has morphed and grown and has roots that have gradually spread out into every aspect of how you see yourself in the world. And then someone comes along and says, yeah, but you would have to not usually have to, because again, absolutes, there is a very good chance that you would feel every aspect of your involvement throughout life suddenly threatened. Like, should you have decided to marry the person that you married or not marry them? Or should you have chosen the place where you went to school or had kids uh, feel the way that you do, raise them the way that you raise them, view the lifespan that you have the way that you do as far as how you interacted with family or didn't interact with them? There's all of these things that are either very blatantly or very subtly influenced um, to one degree or another that has religion at the core of it and when you say to somebody allow me to explain to you from a scientific standpoint how you're possibly correct but not the way you think you are it shakes who they are as a person yeah and because again so many people use their religion as their identity yes and i don't i have never said how i view things to do that to someone. I've always just wanted, I wanted to share it in the way that you said, like if you have a conversation with someone, I want to share my ideas and I want them to share theirs with mine, not because I'm trying to change their opinion or their thoughts or their beliefs or their faith. And I know that they're not trying to change mine. I just want to share those things. But for some reason, I'm able, you know, at no fault of theirs, I'm able to hear what they bring to the table regardless of what their beliefs are or lack thereof and say, thank you. I appreciate you telling me what you believe. I don't see you any differently except for the fact that I know something more about you now. But when I offer mine, they tend to get scared. And maybe that's not the best word for it. No, I think that's, I think that's a valuable word there because most people are afraid of questioning their own thoughts and beliefs. And the idea of questioning things is, you know, fundamental to me as a person. Yeah, it's 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 fundamental to all of us mm. as an existence, as a race. I mean, it's, 
it's how we've gotten to where we are. Like, why are we here? That's, it's what puts us on the top of the food chain, even though that most things out there can freaking kill us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're not sitting around pondering life. They're just not doing things. I really, I'd probably be in different era. I'd probably be a philosopher. If uh, I could have afforded to be that. <laughs> Depends on where you were born and who your yep. pa- who your parents were. And, and what, what do they say? It's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's so true. Yes. But I think that's a really good point when you talk about, when you look at all the different religions throughout time and at the risk of probably pissing people off, because I know that I have before when I've said this and I don't say it to be controversial at all. If there are so many stories from previous civilizations, Greek, Roman, Norse, Indian, uh, anything like that, and we call them myths, what makes us think that we're right now? Arrogance. Yeah. Arrogance. It's the same as Christians believing that they're going to be alive during the rapture. I'll bet you people have been saying that since, you know, the new Christian faith was was made when Jesus died or what have you. I'll bet you people have been saying it since then. Like, what makes you so special that in your 100 years or 80 to 100 year life, it's going to happen during that time? It hasn't happened for thousands of years. Like, what makes, what makes you so special that's going to happen now? But it's just because that's what they believe. There's no rational idea behind it. And you can't. You can't use logic to them. It doesn't matter because mm-hmm. in their minds, like, this is what, oh, this is what the Bible says. So it's, it's going to happen. Like, well. You have to have faith. They're like, that may or may not happen. You know, it's like, who knows? But. You know what actually got me thinking about it in more of a concrete way was the movie Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Uh, Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson. The oh, sport- was an old school one. Yeah. Okay. M. Night Shyamalan. Um. In that, there is a scene where Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mr. Glass, Mr. Glass, is explaining to Bruce Willis the origins of comic books and what he thinks uh, actually uh, happened and where they come from. Where you have these individuals throughout history who were seemingly more, just like Mr. Glass is uh, at higher risk. He's easier to break. He has this condition where his bones are easier to break. Would it not then make sense that there might be people who have conditions that make them in, you know, no pun intended, unbreakable. Yeah. There's always anomalies. Right. So if you have people like that throughout history that have these abnormalities that become a positive, would there be stories about them that then grow, that then evolve, that turn into people? And they don't say it in there, but someone like Hercules, Whereas, like, he had these amazing feats of strength, and maybe he did, but were they to the extent that the stories say, or did they grow into that? And when you take something like that, and you, coming back, I mean, hell, we have really good circles going on right now. (laughs) Um, When you think about the idea of telling stories throughout generations, they do, they change, they become embellished in a lot of cases, you know, like playing telephone when you're a kid, it's like, you start with one story, and by the end of it, it's something completely different. Um... But you can kind of see how things connected together along the way if you work backwards and see how the dots connect. Could there have been these 
stories of something that was within the realm of possibility but not completely understood that eventually turned into and became embellished and required faith, blind faith, in order to truly believe that eventually became religion. Because I refuse to believe, whether people want to call it God or not, that we are not the highest life form. Physics proves that. Like It's impossible that a human being, that a carbon-based individual, is the end process when it comes to energy. It just, you just aren't. They're in the same way that we are more complex and of a higher capacity than an ant. And yet that ant will never understand us. It will never look at us and say that's a human being. There's no ability to conceptualize us. Yeah. How then would we ever be able to conceptualize that which is an order of magnitude above us in the way that we are above the ant? We would have to put some kind of name on it. That's what we do as human beings. We label things. We need to understand them. We're afraid to not label things because that means that we don't know it. But there's this fantastic book called Awareness by Anthony DeMello, and he says in there, the moment you put a label on something, you automatically prevent yourself from truly understanding it because you can only understand it to the extent that you were able to when you put that label on it. Like when you name a bird, you only know the bird based on the information that produced that label. Okay. What if you learn something more about it? What if there is more to that creation than what that label allows? Would you add that information? Would you change the label? Or would you fight it and say, no, 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 no. That can't be what it is because we already know what that bird is. We knew that's why we were able to put the label on it. This new information, it, it doesn't relate. It's not real. It doesn't pertain to that bird. In the way that you could say, well, it doesn't pertain to my God. It doesn't pertain to my belief, my religion. And as soon as we have a label, because we need it to feel secure. Yeah, which is all that it is. It's our own insecure. lack of like understanding. Have we then taken away the opportunity to truly understand that which would be the higher order magnitude? That's a really interesting point. And when I say that, when I go into the explanation that leads up to that and the things that come after that because i've been thinking about it since i was a teenager i scare people not because it's a big thought not because it's but profound. it is it is a big thought it really is because i mean how many times have you sat up at night and you maybe were outside and you looked at the stars and give you this like pit like this feeling of the pit of your stomach of like how insignificant you really are and then you think about the fact that we're on this floating spaceship Mm -hmm. It's organic, but mm -hmm. it's still a spaceship, and we're flying through space where people used to think like, oh, no, it's the center of the universe. Like, no, like we're all orbiting around other shit, so we're forever spinning around the sun. The sun's like spinning around what most likely is like a black hole in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. And then so like it's all just going around that, but it's ever expanding and everything else, and things that we can't wrap our heads around. Because mm -hmm. first of all, I'm not fucking smart enough to understand all that shit. I'm not. And I sit there and I think like, is this an accident? Is this just like an experiment? Like what happened? How are we all here? I don't understand. I don't know, which is what scares me. It gives me that weird feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I understand that. Like, and I get it. And it's, it's different. And most people don't want to feel that. So they just hold on to whatever their religion is and don't want to think about other things. And that's fine. They think that if, oh, if I'm a good person, if I follow these rules, then I'll go to heaven, everything will be good. Mm -hmm. and, but I also look at it like, 
like what what is a human like what is a human to you and like to me a human is a soul that's stuck in this meat wagon <laughs> you know it's like we're just working in this existence at this this time in this realm for the moment but then what happens when we die does the soul just go off into nothing i don't think so i think there's again like you had said earlier like the energy mm-hmm. like i think your energy goes somewhere else but then that begs the question where do souls come from where do they start like do you just recycle through like some people think do you pick like a new body to jump into and then that's why you have past lives and all those kind of things and then you're trying to you know get through this realm to get to the next level i kind of level up in mario kart or whatever you know <laughs> whatever game you want to think of there zelda or whatever it doesn't matter um but it's like is is that the thing or are souls created do souls die like those are big questions that i don't have answers to i don't mind asking the question it terrifies me sure because i don't know but it's still interesting to think of these are all things that i've come up with ideas on like every single thing that you said all right concept of we it, need I to think. have that conversation <laughs> in a future time we definitely don't want to get into it at the moment yeah. but I was like, I can, I can definitely say whether we want to do it on the podcast or off. Okay. <laughs> I, I definitely, I know some people, I think we can have some fun conversations with that. <laughs> I would, I would be happy to do it. Even if some alcohol is involved. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of those are the best. Oh gosh. But yeah, th- those are just questions that nobody has answers to. And anybody who tells you they know, they're full of shit because they don't uh, know. They hope they're right. I mean, one of the core ideas of physics, like every branch of physics is that there aren't answers. There are theories, and even theories are taken with a lot of weight, where they're saying, like, if you have a theory about something, you're basically saying that you understand it. Everything is a hypothesis waiting to be disproven. You're looking for a way to show that that's not the case in a different situation. It's like, well, okay, we've proven gravity. No, you've shown that gravity exists within a certain realm of rules, and when it's confined to those rules, this is what happens. Well, it's different when you start moving towards larger objects. It's different when you start moving at a different speed. It's different when you start going around uh, a black hole. It's different when you're looking at uh, you know, energy versus dark energy. Uh, all of these things are ways that they've disproven, in a sense, that those rules only apply to that circumstance. And... Shit. Where is it going? Oh, yeah. Like you're saying, like, there aren't answers. Of course there aren't answers. Faith, like, fills in the need for answers by saying, just simply believe. Because we're terrified to not have answers. And yet that's how hard science works. Yes, when you look at mathematics and calculus and trigonometry or geometry, you can say, this is the angle, this is what X is equal to, great, we've found exactly how long it'll take you from travel to A, from B, if you go at this speed, etc. Right? Great. But when you start manipulating that with other aspects of science, suddenly that doesn't apply. Yeah. I mean, easy example right there is like, you drive from here to my apartment, it takes 45 minutes. Well, what happens if we change the conditions where you no longer have the same level of friction? Well, it doesn't take four or five minutes anymore. Yeah. What if you change um, the amount of resistance that happens as you're going through? No longer 45 minutes. Those are different rules within that circumstance. And what I find is that if you take every aspect, every idea that you were just talking about, and you apply it with the permission that physics gives you to say you don't need an answer, 
you just need a plausible hypothetical explanation suddenly like the world of options opens up to you and you can see why religion across the globe across history yeah and all the different civilizations very very similar in ways and yet could coming back to the idea of unbreakable where it's like evolve over time and morph into these different branches and change drastically when you look at uh like native american religion uh like their beliefs throughout the creation versus Christianity versus um, say Hindu versus Buddhist. There are tenets within them that are all very similar and yet they've grown into their own. uh, I don't know. They've grown in their own thing uh, for lack of a better explanation. Those core tenets are like that aspect of physics where it says the rules apply within a circumstance, and if you will give it permission to only be hypothetical, you can see so much more about how things connect. Like the idea of uh, the Buddhist reincarnation and the idea of energy is a really fascinating topic where it's like when you bring up the idea of souls. Well, every, and I won't go too much into it because I know you said like in a different podcast, but just the simple idea that at the root of every single human being, you are energy. And that's not a, like a woo-woo hippie comment, like literally. Yeah. You're made You up, can measure it. Right. You're We're made electrical. up of energy. Like, yeah, you yeah. Can, yeah. You can literally physically measure it. And everything in the universe, or at least a large majority of everything in the universe, aside from dark energy, is that same energy that becomes uh, combined into different ways and eventually forms into atoms and those atoms turn into molecules and the molecules turn into human beings and other things around the world in this particular glo- or in this particular planet but at the root of everything energy and the fun thing about energy when you look at quantum physics is that the energy does not have to be quote-unquote connected in order to influence one another you could have two uh, quantum particles that are huge distances apart from one another and they influence each other So in theory, the influence that you as a human being and the energy inside of you has on someone across the globe from a quantum physics perspective could theoretically exist. And so if that's the case, and we take the idea that theory is never created nor destroyed, well, then a soul can't be destroyed if a soul is in some part made of energy. It doesn't mean that it isn't transformed into something else. So take that idea and then translate it with a little bit of um, artistic flourish, and there's reincarnation. Yeah. I love these ideas. I love these conversations. I get scared of them sometimes. Of course. I mean, it's 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 big stuff, again, that nobody has answers to, so they're scary topics to start with. But I, not so much that they're scary. I don't, I don't want people to get mad at me. <laughs> I don't want yeah. – I mean, I don't – I don't want to scare people. The hell with them. They, can't, they can't take a joke. <laughs> Most but, people are going to tune out and not listen to it anyway. They're like, ah, oh, they're just rambling on about that stupid shit again. It's whatever. And that's fine. But if if even just one person's listening, I guess it's good enough for me. Because, I mean, I don't know where we are time-wise, but if you got I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> so there was this. I'm loving this part right now. So <laughs> you brought up the idea of, like, if you think about the enormity of the universe. When I was 16... I remember writing this in class was the idea of uh, the pin drop. And the idea of the pin drop was it was actually 
inspired by Calvin and Hobbes. There's this specific comic where Calvin is standing on the porch at night and he looks up at the stars and he goes, hello out there. Another scene, nothing. Last scene, cries the speck of dust. And very philosophical for a Calvin and Hobbes comic. <laughs> yeah. Stuck with me. Um, but from then on, I started thinking about like how small we are within the universe itself. And so like the, the exercise that I did with it is like, if you think of yourself and like where you are right now, and then give yourself like a bird's eye view and you start panning out and you see yourself, you're in your house and then you pan out and you see, this is the city and you pan out and like, this is the state and you keep going up and up and up and up. And eventually like you're looking at the earth and you keep going back and like, there's the solar system. And then your imagination, you can do all of this, right? You're literally picturing the solar system as it is, or as we've learned it. And you keep going back and you can see, all right, here's the Milky Way galaxy. And you keep going back and you see that there are literally this infinite number of galaxies within the universe. And you can go back even more. And now you've learned thanks to, Neil Tyson DeGrasse, that there are multiverse, like there's parallel universes, like we are not the only universe, and they've shown it. But you come back and you realize that none of that gets to be thought of without you. And you're in this incredible relationship where, in a sense, it doesn't exist without you recognizing it. And yet at the same time, you don't get to exist without it. Because it's out there. But does it get to be recognized? Recognized, maybe not. But is it there and doing its thing, whether we're here or not? Yeah, I think so. Because right? it, it was doing its thing long before you and I were born. Mm -hmm. and it'll be doing its thing long and after you and I are dead. And in a way, though, it becomes... It's not that it's not real. It's not that it doesn't exist. But I just see it as one needing the other. And when you do think about the absolute magnitude of the universe itself, it is staggering. It is truly oh, yeah. staggering. Oh, yeah. When you think of it, there are a handful of accounts that I follow on Instagram that will show pictures of a, uh, of a galaxy. And it will measure out how far across it is in light years to give you an idea of like just our galaxy and how huge it is. Right. And then you understand that we are one galaxy in this enormous collection of them and how far away some of the other galaxies are and how far away, you know, more of them could be. <laughs> and then there you are, this little human being, on a little rock and all of it. And in a way, like it makes me so happy to like think of something that enormous that like I get to realize that it's there. Like I get to be a part of that in some small way. I don't know why, but it just, it takes a lot of weight off my shoulders. I get caught up in the day-to-day -day a lot where I think, am I in doing the, enough? In the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Am I doing enough? Am I making enough out of my life? Am I throwing my time away here? Am I 
working hard enough or telling the people who were in my life what I would want to tell them? Am I being the type of person who I would want to be? And I'd like to think that I am, but I get very anxious and stressed out about it. Like, can you do more? Should you do something else? What's something you haven't done? And then I stop and think of that, and it feels very, very grounding. And I can't explain why, but I remember thinking of that in high school as a teenager, and I've carried it with me for years. That one singular sensation of zooming out, seeing everything, and coming back in. I'll tell you what, I think that's a great place to wrap this bad boy up. Uh, it's not going to get any deeper than that. <laughs> that's for damn sure. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can go to, to find more about you, and then obviously uh, remind them of the podcast and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, I'm on Instagram at elite underscore recovery underscore LMT. I have my website, eliterecoverymassage.com, uh, Facebook, Elite Recovery sports massage and why why should people be looking for you what, what can you help them with uh was i was about to say if you're an athlete uh or amateur hobbyist as far as like working out but honestly i've been trying to do a lot of work uh recently with uh like gen pop uh especially people who are working in uh construction um anyone in like frontline as far as like police officers fire department emt because they deal with a lot of recovery needs. Um, anyone who has a really high performing job uh, within the business world. But if they do have a lifestyle or activity that is very physically demanding, uh, there's quite a bit of information there that can talk about how to take care of yourself as far as the recovery aspect. It's not. It's more than just sleep better, eat better. It talks about timing, talks about how to... Uh, like you were saying with your uh, work that we did, um, looking at the big picture, regardless of what that picture is, and then figuring out really good strategies to better take care of yourself and your recovery. Okay. Because like I would see, like I kind of classify you to most people like as my physical therapist because they understand that, whereas you're really more of like a recovery specialist. Mm. Um, but I don't think they quite understand all of what that means. So usually I tell people like, oh, yeah, my physical therapist said this or do that mm -hmm. or whatever because they at least understand what that means. Yeah. Right. Because that's obviously it's, it's not it's not what you do really per se, but uh, a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff is tied into also the things that you actually do. Right. I'm working to try to help people understand the distinction between recovery and rehabilitation, not from um, any like business competitive standpoint is like, oh, I'm not rehab and like they're not recovery, but just getting people to better understand when to go to one or the other. Like if you have an injury, like you just got hurt, yes, absolutely. You should go to a physical therapist. You should have rehabilitation. You should have them help you out with that. If you have a lifestyle where you're training or you're just very um, high performing in what you're doing, that's far more the recovery aspect. And there's different uh, strategies that you would want to help take care of your body. But it may, it may make sense. A lot of people don't understand that yet um, or haven't been given the information. So to say. Yeah, but again, like what I'm saying, you're trying to revolutionize yeah. kind of what you do. 
It's different because like, yeah. when I get injured, like I'm going to come and see you. I'm going to go see my chiropractor and then I'm going to go see my massage therapist. And, like mm-hmm. and between the three of you and I'm, I'm going to kind of lean on you more to tell you what I'm doing with other places mm-hmm. to kind of see the bigger picture of like what I should and shouldn't be doing or where I should or shouldn't focus. Start to balance out that puzzle. Exactly. Which yeah. again is why I kind of just prefer to you as like my physical therapist <laughs> because in general terms, that's what most people would understand. Mm-hmm. Whereas I see you as like the coordinator of like where I should be spending my time. Yeah. Does that makes sense? I think it's a good word for it. All right. The podcast? Prepare to Win, uh, available on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud with uh, Justin Oliver. So if you haven't heard enough of his sparkling voice here on the podcast, you can listen to him <laughs> a little bit in the other one where it sounds like uh, Justin takes over some of it, but you also obviously banter back and forth as well. Yeah. There's I mean, there's quite a bit of banter that goes on. It's just Good. he is a wealth of knowledge on the topic because we do focus primarily on uh, powerlifting in the fitness community. Gotcha. So yeah, I let him steer that ship and just add in my two cents where it fits. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. I greatly appreciate it. And we will definitely do this again soon. Sounds good. And, uh, we will see you guys next time. The good stuff, man. Thank you. That was fun. Huh. That was good. All right. Well, that wraps up another great episode. It's always a lot of fun talking with Dane. And uh, like I said before, this time we didn't really have any topics to talk about, specifically, obviously, besides the podcast and Dane starting that recently. And uh, we just it's like, well, I don't know what we can talk about. I don't know. We'll try to figure something out. We just kind of start, kind of start going and going. And, and here we are. This is, it's, it's, it's funny because I, I've mentioned this recently. It's like I found that the, the less that I prepare for the podcast and the more I just have on the people that I love to talk to, the, the better things seem to go. When I try to do something specific and I'm trying to force things to go here and do that, it, it doesn't seem to work out as well. Maybe I'm just not having as much fun or maybe I'm just really bad at preparing for podcasts. I don't know. I'll have to work on that to get better because there are certain things that I do want to talk about and I need to make sure that they're as good as the other ones or at least I have as much fun as I do doing the other ones because hopefully that'll transmit, not transmit, but transform through and, and hopefully you know sound good for you guys as well who are listening. And if you are still listening, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. It's been a long episode. It seems to be this is just kind of the normal length of my episodes because I don't tend to really do short ones very often. But I I greatly appreciate all your support. It's so awesome to see the podcast growing and the numbers going up of downloads and listens and all that kind of good stuff. And it's honestly all, all over the world. It's, it's kind of cool to see. Most of it obviously is here in the States where a lot of my friends are and uh, the guests we have on their friends as well, obviously. But it, it's slowly getting out there and it's, it's really cool to see. But the biggest thing you can do right now is to help support the show is to go out and leave it some five-star reviews. Uh, that really helps things with all the different algorithms with the different uh, downloading apps and whatnot. It really helps uh, the show get bumped up in the rankings and recommend to new people. So please, if you could do that, I would greatly appreciate all your help. I'm going to stop rambling. That's all we have time for this week. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity. <laughs>